Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade S.J. Book 2, Chapter 2 The Duties of Those Souls Called by God to the State of Abandonment Section 1 Sacrifice the Foundation of Sanctity The first great duty of souls called by God to this state is the absolute and entire surrender of themselves to Him. Sacrificate sacrificium et sperate in dominum Make a sacrifice to the Lord and hope in the Lord. That is to say, that the great and solid foundation of the spiritual life is the sacrifice of oneself to God, subjecting oneself to his good pleasure in all things, both interior and exterior, and becoming so completely forgetful of self thereafter as to regard oneself as chattel, sold and delivered, to which one no longer has any right. In this way, the good pleasure of God forms one's whole felicity, and his happiness, glory, and existence, one soul good. This foundation laid, the soul has nothing else to do but to rejoice that God is God and to abandon itself so entirely to his good pleasure that it feels an equal satisfaction in whatever it does nor ever reflects on the uses to which it is applied by the arrangements of this good pleasure. To abandon oneself, therefore, is the principal duty to be fulfilled, involving, as it does, the faithful discharge of all the obligations of one's state. The perfection with which these duties are accomplished will be the measure of the sanctity of each individual soul. A saintly soul is a soul freely submissive, with the help of grace to the divine will. All that follows on this free consent is the work of God, and not of man. The soul should blindly abandon itself and be indifferent about everything. This is all that God requires of it. And as to the rest, he determines and chooses according to his own plans. As an architect selects and arranges the stones for the building he is about to construct, it is therefore of the first importance to love God and His will, and to love this will in whatever way it is made manifest to us, without desiring anything else. The soul has no concern in the choice of different objects, that is God's affair, and whatever He gives is best for the soul. The whole of spirituality is an abridgment of this maxim. Abandon yourself entirely to the overruling of God, and by self-oblivion be entirely occupied in loving and serving Him, without any of those fears, reflections, examines, and anxieties which the affair of our salvation and perfection sometimes occasion. Since God wishes to do all for us, let us place everything in his hands once and for all, leaving them to his infinite wisdom, and trouble no more about anything but what concerns him. On then, my soul, on then, my soul, 
on with head uplifted above every earthly thing, always satisfied with God, with everything he does or makes you do. Take good care not to imprudently entertain a crowd of anxious reflections, which, like so many trackless ways, carry our footsteps far and wide until we are hopelessly astray. Let us go through that labyrinth of self-love by leaping over it, instead of traversing its interminable windings. On my soul, through despondency, illness, aridity, uncertain tempers, weakness of disposition, snares of the devil and of men, through suspicions, jealousies, evil imaginations, and prejudices, let us soar like the eagle above all these clouds with eyes always fixed on the sun and on its ways, which represent our obligations. All this we must needs feel, but we must, at the same time, remember that ours is not a life of mere sentiment and that it does not depend upon us either to feel or to be callous. Let us live in the higher regions of the soul in which God and his will form an eternity ever equal, ever the same, ever unchanging. In this dwelling entirely spiritual, wherein the uncreated, immeasurable, ineffable holds the soul at an infinite distance from all that is specific in shadows and created atoms, it remains calm, even when the senses are tossed about by tempests. It has become independent of the senses. Their troubles and agitations and innumerable vicissitudes no more affect it than the clouds that obscure the sky for a moment and then fade away affect the sun. We know that all passes away like clouds blown along by the wind, and nothing is consecutive nor ordered, but everything is in a state of perpetual change. In the state of faith, as in that of glory, God and his will is the eternal object that captivates the heart and will one day form its true happiness. And this glorious state of the soul will influence the material part, which at present is the prey of monsters and savage beasts. Beneath these appearances, terrible though they be, the divine action will so work on this material part as to make it partake of a heavenly power which will render it brilliant as the sun. For the faculties of the sensitive soul and those of the body are prepared here below like gold or iron or like canvas for a picture or stones for a building. Like the matter on which these different materials are composed, they will not attain their brilliance and purity of form until they have passed through many alterations, have endured many deprivations, and survived many destructions. Whatever they suffer here below, under the hand of God, serves to that end. The soul, in the state of faith, which knows the secret of God, dwells always in peace. All that takes place interiorly, instead of alarming, reassures it. Deeply convinced that it is guided by God, it takes all that happens as so much grace, and overlooking the instrument with which God works, 
It thinks only of the work that he is doing. It is actuated by love to fulfill faithfully and exactly all its duties. All that is distinct in a soul abandoned to God is the work of grace, with the exception of those defects which are slight and which the action of grace even turns to good account. I call that distinct, of which a soul receives a sensible impression, either of sorrow or consolation, through those things applied to it unceasingly, by the divine will for its improvement. I call it distinct, because it is more clearly distinguished by the soul from all else that takes place within it. In all these things, faith sees only God and applies itself solely to become conformed to his will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide, amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, patron of thy own vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All that takes place interiorly, Father de Cossad says, instead of alarming, reassures it. Now this duty, this ability, this way of reacting that Father de Cossade is describing is not very easy. It's not easy to live, and it's not easy to attain to. Why? Because normally, either we're not even paying attention to what's happening interiorly, or if we are, we're incredibly bothered by the sorrows we're feeling, the reactions we have. But Father de Cossade says it's possible to get into a state in which the interior feelings we have sometimes, the rebellions, the various things that happen, the sorrows, instead of alarming us, can reassure it. Instead of the momentary temptations that we have alarming us, they can reassure us. How? Because the soul becomes so convinced it's guided by God. And it can even recognize that these interior states, these interior situations, are so much grace, so much gift. This state in which the soul can even accept all of its interior reactions, its interior poverty, its interior refusal even at times, temptation to refuse. When we get into the state that even that we accept, then we're in a very, very good place. Even if we feel aridity, even if we feel like we're not close to God, if we're willing to accept those interior situations, wow, what a grace that is. 
Because in that situation, we have become so focused on God that we're not even really worried anymore about what we are feeling. Because our whole focus is on him. And whatever he allows, we accept. What he wills us to go through, we accept. Because we're looking at him and everything else is somehow his instrument. And what we begin to care about and what we begin to think about is the work that he's doing. And somehow this sadness, this illness, this low spirit, this discouraging feeling, all of this is somehow part of a great work that he's doing that's far beyond us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.